Have you ever felt like the work you were supposed to love is instead sucking your soul and you aren't making the impact you always dreamed of making? If so, you aren't alone. From broke and underemployed to six figures plus, powered only by daydreams and grit, I realized I was burning out and my values of freedom, purpose, and making an impact were taking the backseat to my wallet. I realized that I needed to build my own field guide to awesome from the inside out. So I gave it all up and I traveled the world to rediscover what was most important to me and create a business that filled my pockets, filled my soul, and allowed me to multiply my impact. But the question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey and find out as we build our community of experts and share the secrets of success from the inside out. My name is Trina Serechia, and this is The Field Guide to Awesome. Welcome back to The Field Guide to Awesome, folks. In my last episode, we spoke with the mind shark, Joe Cursillo. Joe is a celebrated author, business coach, lawyer, mentalist, and motivational speaker. He helps companies to thrive by focusing on the idea of having a unifying vision. He has helped countless business leaders to improve their effectiveness by adopting and carrying out their mission. Joe specializes in helping companies to tap into the power of their millennial employees and bridge the gap between generations. Joe and I had a wonderfully long conversation, too long for a single episode. Last week's episode was part one of three, where we talked about mentalism, the power of paying attention to what someone says, how they act, and being empathetic. We also talked about what intuition is and having the guts to act on it. If you missed it, make sure to go back and check it out. But stick around, folks. My next guest is Stephen Corley Randell. Stephen is a California licensed architect who specializes in residential work for more than three decades. His projects are built throughout California, as well as across the country. His current focus is on helping other creative professionals build careers to love by focusing on four pillars of success, passion, persistence, patience, and payoff. It's not what you think, so stay tuned to find out more. Let's welcome Stephen Corley Randell. Hi, Stephen. It is so much of a pleasure to have you on my show today. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Trina. It's really great to be with you. I appreciate this as I'm grateful to have this opportunity with you. Stephen, tell me a little bit about you. I shared your intro before we started talking, and I wanted you to share a little bit more in your own words about who you are and what you do. I am a California licensed architect, and I have practiced residential design for over three decades now. I have recently begun to speak about enjoying your career because I have. I have done this a long, long time and it's been great. And I wanna help other people at this point forward. You know, there's nothing like loving what you do. And really that's what my podcast is all about is to create your field guide to awesome. And I love interviewing people like you who've made that happen for themselves and they're helping people to do the same. What has been your experience of this crazy, crazy time during coronavirus, the lockdown and all of this? And you're located in California. So what has your experience been? What's been the challenges that you've faced and how have you gotten over them? For me, it's been uh, probably a little different than most people because I work from home mostly and I've been able to handle for years now Uh, my clients with PDFs and emails and telephone calls. I'll normally meet with them two or three times over the course of a project. Uh, 
And I also work anywhere I can in California. So, you know, California is a pretty big state, so I may travel several hundred miles to uh, meet with a client, but I'm able to manage that just because I don't necessarily have to be with them that often because communications are so easy these days. So for me, this hasn't been a terribly, you know, difficult transition to deal with what's going on. Though the problem is that I, you know, getting on a plane has now become an issue. Mm. That is, <laughs> yeah, that is going to be from here on out quite uh, 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 something that I have to figure out how to deal with. Now, of course, I can still drive and that's not that hard to do. But, you know, if it's a long distance, you know, several hundred miles, you know, that's another logistical uh, hurdle that I'm going to have to deal with. But as far as my clients are concerned, they, you know, are willing to just keep going and keep charging through what they want to do. And as far as how this affects their projects, it's just that, you know, we have to figure out how the cities are responding and dealing with, you know, getting projects approved. That's the, that's the challenge of that. Mm. Yeah. So more logistical. Exactly. It's uh, the cities are, uh, you know, limited and they're cutting back their staff. Uh, they have certain hours that you can go in, but so far I've found them to be pretty cooperative. You know, you can, you can leave an email or, or a phone call to someone and they will get back to you fairly quickly. It's been my experience so far, but how they exactly, you know, keep handling these things down the road uh, because, you know, all of this involves, you know, certain personal interactions at some point in time, uh, you know, and that, still remains to be seen. Uh, I don't think it's quite panned out yet exactly how this is going to work out in that respect. Have you found yourself having to think about things differently now? Well, yes. I The answer to that has to be an absolute yes, because this is a huge reset. And, you know, this reset means that we are going to have to really alter our lives in order to get things done and not uh, get any problems with this situation that we have, this uh, extreme situation. And it's, I don't know how to put it. It's sort of a, um, it, I think that, you know, we always end up facing challenges that we have to adapt to. I mean, this can happen in so many respects in our lives, mm -hmm. you know, we can go through breakups and divorces and we can go through, you know, the loss of someone in our life. And um, it's, it's similar in a way because we're having to adjust to a new reality. And the difference in this, of course, is that every single person on the planet is in this together. Yeah. And that's what's so, you know, interesting about it. Um, I think that it's, you know, it, it, you know, there's a, uh, a Chinese phrase that translates into something like opportunity or crisis equals opportunity. Yes. And that is something to keep in mind, you know, how, you know, now that this is the situation, how do we figure out to deal with this and deal with it better than we were before? How, how can we change to adapt and how is that adaptation a better solution than what we were doing before? I think that's the, that's really kind of the goal of all of this. It's wonderful that you brought that up because 
I've been thinking a lot about this. And when you think about disruptions in life, when you have a disruption in life, sometimes it can throw you off your game because it's subtle and it's big, it's kind of small and it's just affecting you. But this is a huge example that by this, I mean the coronavirus, the lockdown and all the social distancing that has to go with it is a tremendous disruption. We're seeing everyone around us have to alter and adjust and adapt to a new situation. And I think the difference is micro, micro being within your own individual life and macro being with the, within the culture and the world at large. You get to see how when people are being adaptable, they can make big things happen in the world. What are your thoughts on having this whole coronavirus a disruption? Because it's not just um, a virus. It's not just health-related. It's also financial. It's also political. This cocktail of disruption on a macro scale. How do you see that as a as a comparison to what we experience in our lives as entrepreneurs on a smaller scale? Indeed, this is this is the question of the day, isn't it? I think you know if you're looking on if you're considering just yourself um, and how you get by and how you keep yourself sane and happy, you have to go back to the basics of no matter the situation, there yeah. are chores to do, right? Yeah. You 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 still have to figure out how to get groceries. You still have to pay the health insurance. You still have to um, keep your keep your system going, you know, your personal system, your, your business system. You still have to keep that rocking and rolling and going every day. And I think that that is, uh, I think because we're now in this situation, we really have to think about this very carefully, right? Mm -hmm. So we're in a new reality of where we have to go and uh, examine all of this when maybe we should have been examining it prior to this. Mm. You know, I, yeah. I think that's a, uh, uh, you know, if there's good that comes out of this, it's that we say, hey, wait a minute, I needed to look at this anyway. Now's the chance. Let's get this taken care of. And I think on a micro level, that's where we all need to be and where we all need to de be dealing with what's going on. Yes, I agree. One of the things that I've been thinking about is that whenever there is a big challenge or a disruption, it gives you the opportunity to look at it, to look at your life situation in general, to look at society as gen in general. It highlights the challenges and the problems that we're all experiencing on an everyday routine. When that happens, it, it gives us a chance. And you mentioned this word earlier, a reset. It's like a reset point. It's like, oh, this is a big change that I need to make in my life. Or this is a big change that I need to make in my business so that my business survives past this. 
how can my business do more than survive and thrive? And you mentioned that you have, um, we were talking offline for a little bit. You were mentioning you have four pillars of success. Tell me a little bit about them. Sure. So in the past few years, I've really wanted to shift or make my life a little bit different, my, my professional life a little bit different. And one of the things I've wanted to do is to speak. And I did some uh, coaching on this and quite a bit of investigation. And what turned up was really fascinating. Uh, I was asked about my career and my life. And, you know, I always think I can talk all day long about architecture and houses. And I love that. However, I, and I know that I'm, you, I don't know if I should use the word unique, but I know that I am, uh, and the word is not lucky either. It's that I am fortunate. I guess that's the Mm. best word for this in that I have had a life of just wonderful professional enrichment and enlightenment and experience that I, you know, to this day can tell you, I'm so grateful that I've had that. And it's been such a fun, fascinating journey. But the flip side of this is that uh, it's not easy Mm. and it's scary and it's really hard at times. Uh, And that's just life. It's a, it's a yin yang. It's, you know, it, it, you have to, I think this is the most important thing that I can impart to the audience is that, you know, life is not just a smooth sail. It's a tack to the left, a tack to the right, dealing with a problem here, having a celebration over a win over here, dealing with another problem over there. That's just how it is. But the crux of this is that, you know, are you setting out to do something that you really find fascinating and that you really enjoy doing, regardless of what kind of income you get off of that? Because if you're doing something you really want to do, you know, the money is there. Money is kind of a separate issue. It's uh, you manage your money. That's different than making money. So, um, uh, so I came up with these four pillars that I, when I look back on my career and I thought about this carefully and I thought, you know what, this breaks down to four things and they are one passion, two persistence, three patience for payoff. Yep. Yeah. Passion is so important in what you do. And now you're not going to have passion for every single aspect of it, but for the big vision of what you're trying to create for what you want to experience for what you do, there has to be some passion there. Precisely. And here's what's interesting about this. You want to, I can equate this uh, set of lessons to constructing a house. Passion is the foundation on which you will build everything else. It's what drew you in in the first place, and it's what you want to hold on to. Mm. Because without passion, you're not going to be able to keep the persistence. You know, you're not going to be able to have the patience. Exactly. It's it. So the, the passion gives you the base. It gives you the strong, like I said, foundation. 
that gives you a place to put everything else on top of. And like I said earlier, you know, life is not all wins and celebrations. It's heartaches and pains and problems. And, and, and that's the, where the persistence comes in, you know, persistence is like the walls and the roof of the building. It's how you decide to form and cover the work that you do. And that's where the hard work begins. Yeah. Yeah. Brick by brick. Exactly. And the thing about persistence that you have to keep in mind is that the enemy of persistence is distraction. You know, Mm. taking work because someone said you should, taking work just for money, those are mistakes. And, you know, I can give an example. Uh, Early in my career, I went to work for a architecture firm that did nothing but gas stations. How do you think that worked out? (laughs) I was there for two years and I quit before they could fire me. If you're passionate about gas stations, then that's a dream job. But if it's not, then it's just sucking your soul, it sounds like. It was a good company. It was a very professional place to work. I got decent experience in some respects there. But I I was so bored every day going in there. When you get that bored, you can't focus anymore. You, yeah. you, you just, your, your mind wanders. You're thinking, God, I wish I were on a beach in Cozumel, or I wish that I, you know, whatever it is, you know, you're, you're, you're constantly out of, of where you should be. You're not concentrating on the work itself. And that's not to say that, you know, it, here's what's interesting about this. I think we could say is that I'm sure there were people in that company who were perfectly fine with that job. And it wasn't because they necessarily loved gas stations. It may have been because they just love the process of putting together a set of documents and working with a large corporation because yeah. that's our client. Their clients were Exxon and Shell and BP. So, it, 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 you know, that is a, that is an interesting job if that's really what you want to do. Um, I did not care for that part, that aspect of it either. I, I tend to like very, much more personal relationships in the work that I do, which is, you know, one reason I enjoy doing residential. What's your favorite part of the residential architecture? What really lights up the fire in your soul? The, the, the best thing about this that, it, and this was a, a, a kind of an enlightenment. It's at one point finally in my career. And that is that all good architecture is timeless and deserves replication and respect. You know, I, I, in architecture, you get people who are like, you know, you have to build classical, it's the only real architecture. And then you have people who are modern architecture is what we should be doing now. Classical is an anachronism. And I don't buy, you know, for, I did at times buy one or the other along the way, but I finally realized, no, 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 no. It's a it, it, good design whatever the design is, is timeless. It doesn't need, you know, it doesn't need, uh, 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 that's, it's really hard to explain. You don't really need to have something that's uh, good only today. If yes. something's good, it's good. For, I mean, in anything, right? Good literature. Evergreen. Evergreen, exactly. Good literature is always good. 
Good movies are always good. They're not good on you know, 1942, they're good in 1982 and 2002. So uh, that is the part of this work that I have done in architecture that I enjoy so much is, is that realization and that experience of, of doing that. It took me many, many years to get to that point. So, yeah. And what I love about your passion pillar is when you love something so much, you're able to create that persistence, which was your second pillar, because it's something that you can immerse yourself in. When you were talking earlier about um, doing the gas station design and architecture type work and how boring that was for you as an individual. Now, I know that you're a very conscientious person paying attention to details, but I bet it it felt much more difficult to really pay attention to those details and to care. Oh, definitely. And, and you know, you can boil down passion. You know you have passion, right, when you're having fun yeah. in the work that you do. And doing gas stations was not fun. Yeah. Doing a colonial house, doing a contemporary house, that's fun. Doing the trim details, that's fun. Working out a bathroom layout for a client, it's fun. You know, I really enjoy it. Sounds that. like it's the design, it's the creativity that is something that really fires you up too. It, it definitely is the creativity, but I, ha you know, I have to explain that in architecture, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag of technical, yeah. you know, professional, highly regulated artistic expression. It's, yeah. really, it's a very unusual job. And, you know, having that ability to juggle all of that different kind of uh, experience is, is what, uh, you know, I think that more successful architects do. And I have to agree. And that really translates into other professions. For example, when I was doing uh, B2B copywriting, it is so much easier to write with constraints than it is just to write. When you know that you have a certain word limit and it has to touch on um, these particular three particular things and it's going for a particular audience, that's when it's fun because it's like a puzzle. Exactly. And that ties a little bit into my third pillar of patience mm -hmm. because patience is getting the details on the building correct. And you have to start out with a set of parameters. Yep. If you're just, let's use this example. Let's say you're writing a book and you just start writing. Well, where are you going with that? You, yeah. you don't, you start writing. No, you say, I'm going to write a novel and it's going to be set in 1860 and we're going to be in France and the characters are going to be this man and this woman and this child. You know, you, you, you start, you know, everything needs a set of parameters, no matter yeah. what it is. I mean, my projects need a set of parameters. And this is part of why I came up with this set of four pillars. It's a set of parameters. And then that yes. gives you, you know, a reference point. It gives you a way 
to relate your experience and what you're putting together uh, in, a, in a sense that's holistic, I guess would be the word for that, perhaps. I love it. I love it. So the fourth pillar, which we hadn't touched on yet, is payoff. And the payoff is the completed building. It's what the world is going to see. And it's about having gone to unexpected places. And it's not about what you return to yourself. It's about what you return to others. That's beautiful. That's beautiful, Stephen. Thank you. Stephen, it has been so wonderful talking with you today. Where can people find out more about you? I speak on this topic, and you can find more out about that on my website, goodbonesarchitect.com. I'll put that in the show notes. And you can also find out more about me by visiting my website at stephenrandell.com. It's Stephen with a V, and the last name is R-A-N, like Ran, and D-E-L, like Dell.com. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank Thank you so much, Stephen. I would love to have you come back another time to talk about your four pillars more in depth. How open to that are you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime. Fantastic. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Stay tuned for the next episode where we talk again with the queen of family recovery, Judy Gallick. Judy is on a mission to reduce the rates of relapse through educating the family about the recovery process, teaching self-love and self-respect as a way to strengthen relations throughout the recovery process. Stay tuned, folks. You don't want to miss it. Hey, thanks for listening. I truly hope you got something out of this episode that you can immediately implement in your life or business. If so, one of the easiest ways you can help me and multiply your impact is to please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and help me reach other heart-centered and socially conscious entrepreneurs like you. As a special thank you, when you leave your rating and review, you'll win a 15-minute free consultation meeting with me to talk specifically about your business. Just send me an email with an image or a screenshot of your rating and we'll schedule the time. Thanks again and be awesome.